0: Log Talk Radio. Listen to me. This is a new dimension in sound. From Cavalier Basketball. LeBron watching with seven, with six, with five. Who else but LeBron? LeBron to the circle on low. Got it! I think he a pretty
1: king To Indians baseball.
0: One in and belted. To deep left. Oh, to Browns football. Back
1: in the pocket, steps up, goes into the end zone, up high, Jalen Edwards up, got it, touchdown! This is the WaitingForNextYear.com podcast.
0: And welcome to WaitingForNextYear.com podcast. Craig here with you. Uh, on the line with me right now is Rock King. How you doing, Rock?
1: Good. How's it going, Craig?
0: Not so bad. Rick is uh, missing in action at this point, but he'll be joining us in a few minutes. So tonight, this entire podcast is going to uh, focus on the Cavaliers. Of course, they had a huge win last night. Uh, LeBron had uh, a triple-double. He wasn't able to get Kobe's record last night. But uh, that's not what we're going to talk about first. Late breaking news in the afternoon. Um, and it was written up on our website by Todd Derry that uh, Mo Williams snubbed a second time in the All-Star process. I didn't even realize that was possible. Rock, your thoughts. Well, I don't think it was
1: really quite as surprising as a lot of the comments I, I saw in there. I think a lot of people seem to be really surprised to see that he didn't get it and really took offense to it. but. I mean, I was kind of prepared for it just based on reading around. I think a lot of neutral observers seem to think Ray Allen was the guy more deserving, and I think they can make a fair argument with that. I mean, you know, Ray Allen's numbers are better. You could argue that Ray Allen's been the most consistent player on the Celtics this year. Um, He's scoring more points than Mo Williams is. He's shooting the ball better than Mo Williams is. Um, You know, Mo Williams is, I think, 16th amongst all point guards in efficiency, I you know I mean you know I'm not going to sit here and talk bad about Mo Williams because I love the guy but um, I don't think it was that big of a snub to put Ray Allen ahead of him I think they were both deserving There's only room for one guy I think you know the biggest argument you could make for the snub if anything would just be the fact that you're replacing a point guard with a shooting guard and I could see maybe that being a place where uh, where some people would take offense to that. But otherwise, you know, yeah, it's disappointing. I think Mo does deserve it, and uh, it would have been nice to see. But I don't think, you know, it's the worst thing to ever happen, that Ray Allen got, got the nod, because I think Ray is certainly deserving.
0: Well, yeah, but I, I think one of the main arguments that, that people are making is that if you look at last year's Cavs team, and then you look at the record that they have this year, there's only – I mean, of course, they they had the big trade – um, at the deadline last year, which brought in Delonte West and Ben Wallace um, and Wally Zerbiak. But the biggest difference in the starting lineup has certainly been Mo Williams. And to think that he's had such a profound impact on this team um, to, in terms of the win-loss column, a lot of fans think that should have put him over the top over Ray Allen because the, the Celtics were this good last year. Yeah,
1: that's certainly a fair point, um, you know, but you could say, well, hey, they, the Celtics were that good last year, and, you know, they had Ray Allen there last year, and maybe that's why they were that good last year, too. You know, I I don't know, I, I just think there, there's certainly something to it, but that, you know, Mo Williams is making a huge difference for the Cavs, but I really don't believe it's just Mo Williams. He's certainly an important uh, piece of that puzzle, and the Cavs would not be where they're at right now without him. But, uh, you know, I'm not going to overlook either the contributions they're getting from DeLante West and, you know, even what Wally Zerbiak's doing right now. I mean, this is a much better Cavs team from top to bottom than what they uh, broke out of camp with last season. So, again, you know, those are all certainly fair arguments. And um, I'm not going to, you know, sit here and fight to the death for Ray Allen to be on the uh, all-star team. Right. Uh, you know, I, I I just think he was certainly Ray Allen was deserving, and I, I I don't have quite as big of a problem with it as you know maybe some other people do.
0: Okay, and with that, I think I'm going to click a little button here. Is uh, Rick there?
2: Yes, I am. My apologies hey. for the tardiness.
0: Not a problem. Uh, we were just discussing the uh, the second snubbing by uh, by uh, for Mo Williams, um, and then. Uh, we we're looking to get into our next topic, and uh, did you have a place you wanted us to go, Rick?
2: Well, I, I tell you, the the second snubbing of Mo Williams may actually lead into a topic, if you don't mind, um, and, and that's the as I was watching that game last night, and you know, you, you can't um, you can't take away from what LeBron did. It was obviously quite an amazing feat, um, but you know, LeBron did not hasn't been helping Mo Williams' case lately, and, and here's what I mean by that. LeBron is not trusting Mo Williams to run this team. There's been a trend and it's since Delonte was injured, it's it's been getting progressively worse. But if you watch that game yesterday, LeBron James was the point guard. There's no question in my mind. He for everything from bringing the ball up the court to, you know, starting the plays, when he was in there, LeBron James was primarily the point guard. And, you know, if I'm if I'm the commissioner and I'm sitting there trying to figure out, and, you know, again, let's not pretend that Ray Allen isn't deserving of a shot, um, you know, at the All-Star team. But if I'm watching, you know, the the Celtics play and I'm watching the Cavs play, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, well, gosh, LeBron doesn't seem to trust Mo Williams too much right now, to be honest with you. Uh, and and obviously, you know, Ray Allen is one of the leaders on his team. And so I don't know, guys. I'm just I'm concerned about. Um, the offense that that we have going, and that it's it's reverting back to its old form. now, my hope is that when Delante comes back, you know we we get to see a little more of that offense that we saw at the beginning of the year where where Delante and mo are really um kind of sharing the point responsibilities and are distributing the ball better and lebron doesn 't feel like he has to hold on to the ball so long um, but these last four or five games to me has it's been, it's just been getting progressively worse to the point where LeBron dribbled the ball so much in that game against the Knicks, and you know, again, we were seeing him dribble the ball out till you know there was eight, nine seconds left on the clock, and then he'd make a move, and you know, it was either LeBron's going to make the shot or we're not going to get any points this possession. Um, and so, uh, I honestly don't have as much of a problem with with Mo being um, not selected the All Star game. I hope it motivates him to, you know. To, to want to play, uh, you know, play his heart out and, and maybe, um, you know, prove some of the coaches wrong, uh, but the commissioner was kind of in a no-win situation there. But, but regardless, uh, is anybody else concerned about the Cavs' offense and, and specifically them reverting back to uh, to LeBron touching the ball all the time?
0: Well, let me yeah. uh, uh, jump in first, Rock, because uh, okay, you know it, it, I just want to recount what we were doing last night because last night Rock and I were were chatting it up during the game, and at the end of the game, it occurred to me. I don't think any two people have ever complained about a fifty-two point triple double more than we were complaining last night about sure. the way LeBron was playing. So with that, I'll, I'll let Ro- I'll let Rock take over. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. And, you know, it's really fun. It was really funny to watch
1: as we're sitting there following you know on Twitter and we're seeing here's me and Craig the almost the entire night doing nothing but complaining out of frustration with the way that game is going and all you see is everybody else you know going nuts over the game lebron is having but for us who watch him day in and day out i think we sort of become a little bit numb to that almost and we we see when he's not doing the things that we know that he's normally capable of or when he's playing a different style of basketball than what we know works best with this team and he was definitely playing that style of game that does not make the Cavs a good offensive team and For anybody who read my uh, article today, um, the one I talked about uh, LeBron's performance, it was so fascinating. One of one of my favorite pieces that I've ever written, and here's why: as I was writing it, and I talked about this, the significance of that one last rebound, and how it totally changed the way that game would forever be viewed, Mm -hmm. and it changed the way that article was written because if he doesn't get that tenth rebound. I'm going to rip him a lot more for that game that he played last night because the Cavs almost lost to a team that is much worse than they are. They played a horrible game, and a lot of it was because of the way LeBron played. He was, mm-hmm. he, he was trying to put on a show. He, he made it all about him, and as a result, the team suffered the entire night. And it was very, very frustrating to watch. And, you know, I wrote this glowing piece about, you know, his game, and it's because he got that 10th rebound. That was historic. It's 34 years have gone by since somebody's done what he accomplished last night. So I had to put all of that other stuff aside for one piece that I was going to write, and it had to be glowing because it was an amazing accomplishment that he did. Mm -hmm. But, you know, to say, you know, it's hard to imagine having 11 assists and it being an individual accomplishment, but it still felt that way. And Rick's absolutely Mm -hmm. right about uh, LeBron playing point guard. And even when Mo brings the ball up – the first thing LeBron does is run right up next to him to go get the ball from him.
2: Well, and, they, and answer me this. When, when in the world, if Mo Williams is in the game, the only acceptable situation where LeBron James should bring the ball up the court is if Mo Williams gets trapped and has to pass out of it.
1: At, uh, at, or, or on a long rebound if you get a quick breakaway. Okay, well, no, yeah,
2: fast break situation, I understand that. Yeah. But I'm saying if, if you're just bringing the ball up the court to set up your normal offense, why is LeBron James bringing the ball up?
1: Yeah, and, you know, I wish I had an answer to that. And I think you're certainly right. I, as much talk as there is about you know how much LeBron and Mo get along, and that they're, they're the they're the two them and Z are you know the the leaders of this team. And you know we're hearing that message pounded into our head, but it doesn't always translate on the court. I don't right. think they always have the best on court chemistry together. Um, which is just it's it's just fascinating to watch, and it's it's tough to figure out. And I I wish you know. Every every box score you see keeps keeps track of you know game time, how much time players are on the court. I wish somebody would keep a stat of how long a player has the ball in his hands. I think <laughs> it, it would be astounding to see how much time LeBron had the ball in his hands last sure. night. It and was you, very very frustrating to watch. I got to
2: tell you the the phrase that you use I I really like because you said LeBron was putting on a show. And it felt mm-hmm. to me like that's exactly what it was. You know, for as much talk as there was about, well, I'm not going to try and out Kobe or whatever, it, it was absolutely about a show last night. And, mm-hmm. you know, you could tell even afterwards, you know, when the game was over, you know, LeBron making sure he does the rounds and, you know, clap hands with the celebrities. Even before the game ended, you know, he was mm-hmm. talking with, with the celebrities. And it absolutely was about, hey, come watch the show I'm going to put on. Now, it was a fantastic show. It was a phenomenal Mm -hmm. one-on-one achievement that he did, uh, but, you know, at what price? Because I I love what you said. We almost blew that game because he decided to put on a show, you know, and and from the opening tip, he wanted the ball in his hand, and he was going to control that game no matter what. And and I'm kind of, I was kind of annoyed that Mike Brown didn't sit him in the fourth quarter. And I'll Mm -hmm. say he's been, he always sits him at the start of the fourth quarter, you know, and and I understand that the game was tight in that point but what better way you know to show lebron look you do trust your teammates you know and even though you know you've been you've been scoring a lot of points we still have some players that can do this and i really wish that that mike had stuck to his guns and and, and sat him for the first 3 minutes of that fourth quarter but you know for whatever reason i don't know if, if maybe lebron told him i don't want to sit or what but uh, well, maybe you know,
0: uh, maybe pavlovic had been healthy he would have I don't know.
2: Maybe. Maybe. You may be right that, about that.
0: That's a, that. Yeah, that's a fair point
1: that I think we are overlooking. The, the guys did have to stretch their minutes last night because they were very short-handed, sure. and uh, and Hickson was not playing a good game at all, and I just think down the line, they just felt, okay, you know, we, we have to really stretch these guys' minutes, and I understand that, but I think you're absolutely right about this, Rick, in that I, You know, for all the talk about how much, you know, LeBron, you know, he loves Mike Brown and he buys into his system, and that's all true, but there's no doubt who runs the basketball team, and it's LeBron James. And mm-hmm. if LeBron James wanted to play in that fourth quarter, he was going to play. Right. And, uh, and and I, I did, I, I questioned the same thing. I said, you know, the, this whole team has been built on trust this year, and the biggest factor of Mo Williams has been that we're. it's okay for us or for the Cavs to have to uh, sit LeBron, because guess what? This year now, the Cavs have some scoring options. They can rest LeBron and have Mo and uh, Z out there, and and they can score some points, and you're not seeing the leads just evaporate within 40 seconds like they did uh, last season. So there was no reason. Yes, it was a tight game, but you have a game plan. It's been working for you all season. They should have stuck to it. You're absolutely right on that, and I really do feel that the main reason that he was out there was because he was going for something very, very special, and it, it, you know, it is, it is what it is. You're going to have that from time to time with LeBron. You know, right. we're not dealing with your average star in the NBA. I mean, this guy is sure. he, he is bigger than that, and you know, and, and that's again, just yeah, some of the th- stuff we got to deal with.
2: I think it's important to to bring out. It's not that, it's not that we think or we bring these the the situation of thinking that it's impossible to fix or that LeBron's never going to do it again. I think when when Delonte West comes back and joins the rotation. I really think that they're going to go back to the um, to the offense that they had before because it just worked. Having two point guards on the floor with LeBron really almost forced him to move without the ball and to find you know and it gave it gave one more person to be able to find him in a good position to score. And so I, I have confidence that when Delonte comes back. And and Moe's in there that you know that the offense will will kind of revert back to it to the beginning of the year. But I do have another concern. If it's okay, if we can move on from from LeBron for a second, guys, I'm I'm a little concerned about Zadronis. And here's mm-hmm. why I say that. To me, it looks like the man is just running. It looks like he's running underwater. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I know he was off for a while and he's trying to get his legs under him. But other than that first game back. Um, you know that 20-point performance uh, or whatever it was that he had. Um, the last three games, he's had uh, his his minutes have been limited. They've been limited because he's been in foul trouble. He's gotten five fouls in each of the last three games, and he's getting in foul trouble because he can't move his feet fast enough. And I don't know if it's a lingering effect of the injury or if it's the the fatigue factor, the stamina factor. I'm not sure, but that concerns me. Because I think that we've seen, if we want to win the championship, I think we have to have a, a healthy or as, as close to healthy Zydrunas Ilgowskis. He To me, he's as important as, as LeBron James to winning the championship for us.
1: Absolutely. And the, we saw it firsthand. I mean, Anderson Verjao is a great player to have coming off the bench, but yep. boy, is he not not yep. a starting NBA player. Yep. And the Cavs are not going to win an NBA championship with him starting. That's not going to happen. And uh, you're absolutely right. I am praying that it's conditioning um, and that he's just trying to get his wind back because he did have to sit for an awfully long time. But uh, I, I mean, you're you're seeing that. I mean, how many of his shots are falling short? And sure. Just front in iron. the front of the rim yep. you know front iron. And, he
2: does not have his legs that's for certain yep there there's no
1: lift there and you're absolutely right his lateral movement is completely gone and, it, and that, you know not only is it affecting his defense it's affecting his rebounding he's not able to adjust to go get, get those rebounds right. like he used to he's not tipping anything in he i mean he does look like a shell of himself and i i I said this last night you know David Lee was having no problems hounding z defensively right. all night and David Lee isn't making the all-defensive all, all team anytime soon. No. And it, it was just abundantly clear to me, that especially watching David Lee have his way with Z, I, I really felt like, wow, you know, something's still not quite right there. And I hope that that's just fatigue. I haven't heard, you know, it, it's something that, you know, I'm glad you mentioned, Rick, because I'm not hearing anybody else talk about it. I, you know, I, no matter who I read talking about the team, they're not talking about the way zees sure. playing right now and Well, and
2: you always that. want to give him you want to give him a couple games. You know, Absolutely. you want to sure. you want to give him a chance to get that conditioning up and so forth. And you know, the, perhaps this game against the Lakers will be a nice test because he'll have gotten to sit for 3 days um before the game, but you know, he's going to be going up against Pau Gasol. And Pau Gasol right to me, you know, and as much as we struggled um you know, with the Lakers when when Zidrunas was out, uh, Paul Gasol is gonna he's gonna work Zadrunis if if he's not able to have his legs under him, um, and, and so you know that's that's a matchup that I'm gonna keep my eye on closely in Sunday. Let me game. Uh,
0: let me play devil's advocate a little bit because mm-hmm. Detroit, Toronto, and the Knicks were three games in four days. Um, obviously the the Knicks game was the back to back with Toronto, but the Detroit and the Toronto games I'm looking at the stats online right now. I, I don't really keep them in my memory banks like this, but the three out of the last four games, Z did lead the team in rebounds. He was tied with Ben Wallace against the Clippers with 11. He had eight against Detroit, eight against Toronto. So, and and while he they did play a lot, that was what four four games in six days. So they have been playing a, a lot lately. So maybe it is just fatigue. Well, yeah, okay.
1: I, I I understand what you're saying, but I, I my my only counter to that would be that. You're you're hard pressed to find two worse rebounding teams than the Raptors and the Knicks. Mm-hmm. I mean, those are not good rebounding teams. So those numbers, in my mind, are maybe a little bit inflated. Um, but but it's a fair point. Certainly a fair point. Yes, we're, I mean we're. we're Maybe we're going to nitpick a little bit, but I, I think it's because we saw what this team is capable of. Right. You know, for that first quarter of the season, we saw what this team is when everybody's healthy, playing their best game, and I think we all just desperately want this team to get back to there. So when we see you know, any little thing that doesn't look quite right, it really stands out to us now because now we know we say, okay, th- you know, that's not working, and we know it because we've seen what this team is when everything's, when everything's working.
2: Well, right, and again, it, right. it's not necessarily just the rebound totals, though. You know, it, it is how people are driving against him. You know, people are mm-hmm. scoring on him because he's again, it, it's it's the footwork. He just does not have it right now, and, and the you know, foul he was double, he was missing some some open shots. You know, some shots that he usually drains. Uh, he was making. In fact, if you looked, and I can't remember exactly off the top of my head, you, you have the stats open in front of you. I believe since he returned, uh, the last three games, anyways, not the game that, he, that they played uh, the first game back, but the last three games, he's shooting something like 350 um, for the uh, for those three games. You know, that's not the Ogaskis that we know. And, and like we said, a lot of those shots are hitting front rim. You know, which are telling us that he's not. You know, he doesn't have his legs under him. But uh it, certainly I hope you're right, you know, and I hope that that we see right. him with with these 3 days off, you know, that he does it. But you know what? They're going to play the Lakers on Sunday, have a day off and then they got back to back again. You know, yep. uh, and so but then we got the All-Star break, so, you know, hopefully in these next 2 weeks he finds time to rest.
0: Um, right. Let me uh let me jump in here cuz we have just under 10 minutes remaining and okay. I know there were two more topics that we wanted to hit. I think uh we it seems like every time we talk Cavs, we've got to talk trade market. We have that, and then I think we also wanted to touch on JJ Hickson for a while and his development. So, uh, Rick, I'm going to give it to you. Where, do you. where would you like to go next?
2: Well, I got to tell you, uh, you mentioned with um, with Vergeau that he proved, and, and uh, can we all agree, watching him start for Zadrunas that he's not a starting center?
0: Yes. Right. We, I, I think I, we absolutely. can. We can L- pretty
2: much all agree with that. His best L- role, is coming off the bench, supplying energy, supplying hustle, and some substitutional defense. Um, and, yes, I know his, his offensive game has, has improved this year, but it's still not where it needs to be um, for a starting center. Uh, m- and my question, is, it kind of goes along with the, with the J.J. Hickson thing, um, what are the Cavs going to do with Virgil? He obviously is going to opt out of his contract, or, or you know, he's, he's going to be a free agent after the season is over. That's a done deal. And someone in this league is going to pay him starters money. Mm-hmm. The question is, what are we going to do? Are we satisfied with what we've seen in J.J. J. Hickson to turn that role over to him next year and, and uh, let Verja walk? The,
1: here's, here's, here's the problem with letting Andy walk is that you know they can't turn around and use that money to say okay well, well we'll just sign somebody else right they can't do that because they are so far over the cap that Andy's well, – and, um, and he forgive, doesn't make, I, I he makes
2: like 5 million so it's not like yeah, he makes its, it's, it's
1: right that money coming off the books doesn't help the Cavs one bit all they're going to have is their mid-level exception to use this year um and you know I, that mid-level exception is going to be interesting because does Wally Zerbiak want to come back and will he come back for the mid level you know that's going to be something to watch cuz i not you know i certainly don't know who's going to pay uh, pay him anything close to uh, what he's making right now, mm-hmm. um, and, if he, if he, and if he really genuinely likes it here and wants to come back, he, would he consider coming back for the mid level? And that's going to be something interesting to, to think about. Um, but there will be some other guys who maybe fit bigger needs. But the, the, so the big the big thing is is when if they just let Andy go, they can't just turn around and use that money to apply towards signing somebody else. So that's not an option. So if they're faced with their options are. Do they pay him the close to the starter's money that somebody else is going to give him, or do they just wipe their hands clean of it? And oh, boy, you know.
2: (laughs) But again, you know, the trade picture comes in because if you decide this year to make a trade, you know, as Mm -hmm. much as we hate to disrupt the chemistry, you know, you couldn't be you can be looking a year or two down the road with a trade here, right? You know, and say, look, it may be in our best interest to you know to get rid of the, the Zerbiac expiring contract, find a big man who's going to help us down the stretch this year, and oh by the way, maybe replacing Verjau you know, Vergeau's spot on the roster next year.
0: Yeah, right, but the question then becomes what kind of value does a guy like Verjou create in the trade market when he's basically an expiring contract with an opt out at the end of the season. Sure. Nobody's going well, to trade for him unless they can extend him.
2: Well, and I guess I'm not looking so much as as trading Verigel. Um You know, I'm looking at, you know, what, what can we get with that Zerbiak contract? And, and don't get me wrong, not that Zerbiak's not fulfilling a role because he certainly is. But what can we get with that contract that might replace Verigao next year?
1: Right, right. And, and then then it makes him a lot more expendable, and you don't have to worry about it quite as mm-hmm. much. And, and in an ideal situation, I, that's what. I think that's what Danny Ferry wants. I think he, they, it's absolutely what he's going to be looking for, because um, they're going to need a they're going to need a big guy. Yet, there's no doubt about that. And I don't know. You know, it was interesting if you guys listened to uh, Brian Winter's, uh chat on uh, on uh, Plain Dealer's website today. Uh, he mentioned that he still thinks that uh, Joe Smith's going to get bought out at some point this season. Um, especially, there's a lot of talk that. Uh, that the Thunder are going to be looking to maybe make a trade possibly with uh, the Kings, which would send Joe Smith uh, to Sacramento, where he would not stay, that he would absolutely get a buyout from Sacramento. And if if that happens, you you can bet that they're going to jump on that. So that's one part of the equation. That's That's not a long-term answer, obviously, but what that does is that It it sort of changes what they're looking at with the trade. So there's all these possibilities that the Cavs have. And Danny Ferry is just going to have to decide pretty quickly here what direction does he want to go. And I wish I could say my bottom line is I would not – I would not – uh, I would not pay him starter money. That's that's the worst thing you can do. Do, do not overpay this guy. Um, that's to me, that's the worst thing you could do. That you're you're just setting your, the team back further.
2: Yeah, you know the the thing that the thing that I keep coming back to is I I don't want to to disrupt this team's chances of winning a title this year. Mm-hmm. And so you know, and by by making a trade of a you know. People, the packages that we've been that we've been seeing on the site have been, you know, interesting and and creative, would be words yeah. I would I would use yeah. to to say. But you know, let's be realistic. You know, if you gut the team again, you know, and we saw what that did to us last year. You know, I, I, and I'm, certainly it wouldn't be as dramatic as it was last year. But whenever you take a piece away and add a piece, you know, it doesn't it just doesn't mesh. Right away, and I, and I think last year was a pretty good example. that. and so I'm I'm cautious about making too many moves in the well. In but
0: this. let's but let's be honest. I mean, as 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 we all say that you know we saw what happened last year. They they took the Boston Celtics to Game Seven. So I I mean, and this year they've got four guys in the starting lineup who are pretty much untouchable in terms of the trade market with LeBron, Moe, Delonte, and Z. So while they are going to disrupt their chemistry coming off the bench, it's nowhere near what happened last yeah. year, yeah. and they'd be, they'd be yeah. fine. <laughs> well, And, and, I, and will say, I will say this,
1: too, uh, if last year was any indication, um, Andy is not the, uh, the glue guy keeping the chemistry of this team together. I, you yeah. know, I'll, I'll just say that much.
2: Don't forget that next year, you when know, we're talking about next year in cap space and whatever, don't forget that next year Ben Wallace's contract is expiring. And so, you know, when we when we start looking at the trade deadline next year, that's going to be another fourteen million dollar contract expiring contract that we would have to play with if you know if we decided that uh, that Ben Walsh needed to be moved Uh, again, which might beg the question: Where is JJ Hickson in his development?
1: Yeah, I am. Look, JJ Hickson has probably been better than I thought he would be at this point in the season. Um, he, the, he benefited greatly from uh, Z's injury. There's no doubt about that. The extended minutes really sped up his uh, his development. But uh, so, you know, he, he, he's he's further along than I thought he would be at this point. However, having said that, that does not look like a guy that I really want to be counting on come playoff time. Um, The consistency isn't there yet. Uh, His court awareness is not there at all yet. If if there's anything that's really slow to develop, it's been his awareness. I think he's getting better with the defense. He's getting better at knowing, um, you know, where he's supposed to be initially. But once, you know, once that defense, start switching and guys start moving over to help that's when he starts to get that head on the swivel and he's he's late with the rotations and the awareness isn't quite there so uh, to say this year that that's that the Cavs can say well we're going to count on him in the playoffs I don't think so I think anything he gives us in the playoffs is, is gravy um that's you know that's that's just your bonus right there um but going forward in the future yeah, but he 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 could definitely be a very nice contributing piece in the future. Two you know, two years, three years down the road, I can definitely see that.
2: So you're not putting much stock in him as a as a regular contributor next year, or a starter, anyways. A potential starter. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, he, he
1: look, he's got the potential to be there. He's not there yet, and it's so hard to project whether he'll he, he'll be ready next year yet. I. Maybe like I'd be eyeing more two years down the road. Ideally. If
2: we were the Milwaukee Bucks, he might be a starting candidate. Uh, sure. A- a- but for a championship caliber team, they're going to get it done with JJ Hickson starting next year.
0: Yeah. Okay, guys. Well, we just hit the deadline, so we can still go into overtime if you guys have some more stuff to talk about. We're no longer streaming, but people who catch us, uh, on the website tomorrow, and download it through iTunes. We'll catch the rest of this information. So, it's up to you, Rick. Anything else? Um, I don't well, think so.
1: I, 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 I'd like to throw I'd like to throw some around at <laughs> you guys, and I just I because I find this so fascinating, and it's it, we we've maybe touched on this a little bit, but let's talk about. What will losing Wally Zerbiak do to this team? What are the, you know? What are the downsides? We know what the positives are in terms of what the potential of what we can get back, but how 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 is that going to hurt this team? Because it's definitely when you lose that piece, it is going to affect this team. Let's sure. let's not kid ourselves. So I'd like to throw it at both of you guys. Um, can I go
0: first. How, yeah, go ahead. It's not it's not going to affect the team. Uh, it'll affect the team short-term in terms of their team meetings and their, their, you know, goofing around in the locker room. But, uh, you know, assuming that Danny Ferry finds anything worthwhile to trade him for, it's not going to affect the, the product on the court. I just don't believe it. Um, I think any time that Danny Ferry is going to unload that contract, it's going to be for something that's greater than what he's giving up because it's an expiring deal, and that's the way the NBA's worked out. I know we can't figure out exactly what that piece is going to be by looking at the at the the news sites today, but i I'm confident Danny Ferry's kind of proved that to me in his short time here and that's so I, I don't think it's a big deal
2: well i'll tell you what we would miss okay I, again I, i'm not I'm not above trading Wally Wallyzerbic whatsoever to get the right piece um, Daniel Gibson's shot has not been there this year, not been consistent. Wally Zerbiak's shot has been. Uh, when Wally comes in and he spots up on the three-point line, when LeBron James or when Mo Williams drives, uh, the, and they kick out to Wally, Wally knocks that shot down this year, um, which is not something we could say last year, and specifically going into the playoffs last year. Um, the other thing that Wally brings, he brings a toughness. You know, He's not afraid to body up on somebody. Now, he's undersized to play the power forward, which, unfortunately, he's had to play some, uh, especially when... When Zadrunis was out, um, they had him in there occasionally playing the power forward against the smaller lineups. But he's not afraid to do that. He has a good basketball awareness of of the game. You know, he understands defensive concepts. He understands, and I say that to say that a guy like Sasha Pavlovic, who may have right now, Sasha may be shooting as well as as Wally or just under what Wally's shooting, um, but Sasha does not have the defensive recognition, and, and the ability to play multiple positions like Wally Zerbiak does. Um, and so, you know, it, and we see it right now with, uh, obviously, with Delonte being injured and with um, uh, Sasha sick, you know, Wally can step in and play that role. You know, he, he may not be best. That may not be the best suited role for him on the Cavs, but he can do it. Whereas I just think with Sasha, you're limited to one skill set. With Daniel Gibson, you're limited to one skill set, um, where I think that Wally can play multiple. Now, again, if everybody's healthy, um, I think you're absolutely right. I think Wally is the missing piece. Um, and, and I don't think that chemistry-wise the guys will miss Wally as much as they would miss you know some of the other guys. Uh, I, I think that that may be kind of generational, and it may be uh, – uh, just, I don't know, the the appearance that I get, but uh, I don't think chemistry-wise they're going to miss Wally. And and uh, let's be honest, I think at the beginning of the year, that team realized that if one person was probably going to be traded, it was probably Wally Zerbiak, and they probably all had that in the back of their mind, um, that, you know, well, Wally may not be here with us at the end, so... Uh
1: well, yeah, those are, all, those are all great points, and I think kind of the reason why I was asking that was because I, I found it fascinating that when we had had a podcast, and I believe it was the three of us, um, and we had talked about the Cavs very early in the season, um, we, we were talking about Wally, and I had said that there was no doubt at that, at that point in time. I, said, I remember saying there's no doubt in my mind Wally was going to be traded because there wasn't going to be minutes in the playoffs for him. Um, that was what I felt at the time, uh, based on you know the little bit I saw of him in the playoffs the previous season and what I was expecting out of him coming into this year, um, so it was interesting to me that now there's no doubt he would get minutes in the playoffs if there's no changes. There's no question he's going to get minutes in the playoffs, and I think you know he's played himself into that role where he is versatile. And you know the one thing I love about Wally, and he does, he has something that I wish LeBron would get. And and it's this. What's the first thing Wally does when he recognizes a smaller defender is on him? He puts yeah. it back to him, Absolutely. works him down, and gets a good shot. Absolutely. And I, for the life of me, why LeBron doesn't get that yet, it really yeah. kills me because, boy, is he missing an opportunity where, and because, I mean, heck, 90% of the people who guard LeBron are smaller than him, you know, so he, he could definitely take advantage of that. So there's things that Wa- that Wally gives to this team, and I don't want to sound like I'm sitting here saying, see, this is why we shouldn't trade him because I'm still in favor of trading him because I feel like this is still the last great chance to get make this team better before 2010, right. uh, And so I, I would still prefer to see a deal done. But I was just kind of curious to get your guys' take on on sure. um, what, what exactly is Wally Zerbiak, What's his role here?
2: Yeah. Hey, you know, speaking, you mentioned the 2010, and, and so maybe um maybe we could revisit the uh, the question that I posed a couple of days ago on the site. In in regards to LeBron, you know, and I kind of gave out a fictitious uh, a choice between two evils here, Uh, Mm -hmm. one of them being, uh, you know, you can either have the Cavs win the championship either this year or next, but if that happens, LeBron leaves, or you can um, have LeBron sign that contract extension, but that means they don't win for these two years and no guarantee. Uh, And so I'm kind of curious to to see what your guys reaction to that was and and what what maybe your your answer to that question would be
0: I'll go first <laughs> um again I uh, I think my answer's kind of short I uh you know I'm not I'm not playing for that one championship especially not with a guy like LeBron you know I I I'd take one more than none but uh with with LeBron and the way his career seems to be headed um I'm keeping him absolutely as long as possible I wouldn't trade a single championship him leaving
1: yeah now I, I I actually would tend to agree with that I think uh, you know if, if if the question was well you know we either get a championship in the next years and LeBron leaves or LeBron's gonna stay for the rest of his career but we're never going to win a championship if that's the question I'm, I'm gonna take the championship um, you know is it, it, believe it or not it's somewhat tempting as it may be to say well I'd rather LeBron stay here just for the Pure joy of watching that guy play every night. Yeah, um, I, I want that championship. But but have, if if you're phrasing it, you know, we know we're not going to get the championship in the next two years. But anything beyond that is up in the air. But we know that LeBron's going to resign and stay here. I'll take LeBron and I'll take my chances with him because I, I mean, how many years? Can you, can a player like that not lead his team to a championship i mean- Le, LeBron James is going to win multiple nBA championships. I really believe that um, and so i i I would probably like to take my chances here um, in, in, you know and, and see what we can get that that's my opinion
2: hmm. well I, I gotta say i maybe it's maybe it's my age showing a little bit more. Um, I'd take the championship. I'd take the guarantee any day. I would take it and run with it. And and I know I'm probably the, the odd man out, but, uh yeah, you know, we are not promised tomorrow. And we don't know that, you know, LeBron wouldn't have some type of, you know, horrific injury um, or, or whatever I –
1: Hop, hop just, on a motorcycle. Or, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah that, that's a
1: valid point. You, you know, it, it, we—I we, have come grown accustomed, and I catch myself doing this all the time of taking LeBron for granted. Um, so I think you're certainly right about that. There's no guarantee that if we kept him, that he's going to stay healthy the whole time. That you know, one of these times when somebody you know drills him in the lane to right. stop him or, from dunking on him, him, that yeah, yeah. So no, that, that's certainly that's certainly a valid point. Certainly a valid point, and I, I don't mean to make it sound like the decision is easy for me. Because when you wrote that, I did I did sit there and you know I, I thought about it for a little bit, but um, I I just still feel like I, I'm more inclined to, to take my chances with them.
2: You know, and it's funny because since we um since we created this site, you know, and, and obviously waiting for next year, and the question was always, well, what would happen, you know, if if the Cavs won this year. You know, would we would yeah. we change the site name or you know what what would happen and to yeah. me as, as as I just sit here and, and I think about how long I've been rooting for Cleveland teams um, you know if if the Cavs were able to win this year and, and not saying that I wouldn't watch them and root for them the next year to win it just just as hard necessarily but in the back of my mind there would be that all right I've got one for the Cavs you know? yeah and I, and I just yeah. I just want to see each one of these teams sometime <laughs> in my life win one. You know, yeah. and so I'd I'd be so I'd be so content with the fact that we had won one that I you know I would feel like I could put my energy into and my angst into the Browns and the Indians. You know. Yeah. Uh, well,
0: wait a minute though. How how is, uh, how has the the last couple of Ohio State years felt? Even though we had two thousand one.
2: You know, I wrote you know, that I wrote about that on that on on that post. To me, that comforted me. The fact that I had that title that hanging in my Buckeye room is a national championship banner. You know, yeah. from that I, I, to me, that made those losses. Terrible. It still hurt. I'm not going to lie. You know, it, it yeah. still stung. But wow, you know, the fact that that I was able to see one and and you know and and be there and and be excited and and you know follow the team that really comforted me for those two losses.
1: Yeah, I want to. I, I got to say that Florida game. When we, when Ohio State lost that game, my feeling was not heartbreak. Like, it would have been had Ohio State not already won the national championship. Right. Uh, you know, I mean, I was fortunate. I, you know, I, I drove out to Tempe for that game for the, the one that they won. I was there. I was in the fourth row in the end zone. Uh, Gamble's pass interference happened right in front of me. And, you know... I I had just that ultimate joy so that when they lost to Florida, the feeling was not heartbreak, it was actually embarrassment. It was more I felt it was it was humbling because how quickly I built it up that, you know, Jim Trestle couldn't be beat. There was no way Ohio State could lose that game. We were the top football program in the country, you know. You just had all these expectations, right. You know, it was just, you know, this is one of the best college football teams ever. And, you know, and boy, and, and I think they believed it too. And so, so that game was more humbling. Than heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. I th- I didn't get that same feeling of heartbreak like I've gotten from all of the Cleveland right. teams when right. when they lose. I don't feel embarrassed. I have embarrassment's the furthest thing from it. It's pure misery. I mean, it's it's just a heartbreak. Uh, you, that, you know, you're, you're almost it's almost inconsolable. You, you know, the close calls that they've had. That it, it, it's a totally different animal than than when Ohio State has lost in these national championship games. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and to me it was it was more disappointment in the way they played, because I felt like they could have played better. I felt like they could have played both those games better. But you know, I was I didn't have a problem saying, all right, well, you know, that stunk. But hey, maybe the better team did win this year. But in the you know, again, in the back of my mind, I always knew, yeah, but you know what, nobody was better than us in two You know, and so yep. that that to me is is, and and that's I just have to imagine that's how I would feel you know about the Cavs if if we got a championship this year that no matter what even if LeBron and I'd be oh don't get me wrong I'd be mad at LeBron for leaving you know I, I would
1: exactly be where you're going with that Oh I I I question that same thing
2: Oh no I'd be mad don't get me wrong and I there'd be many posts about it yep. <laughs> on the site yep. but I'd have that championship you know Absolutely. and and you know what as much as I I really don't care for Maurice Clarette <laughs> And, and as mm-hmm. much as I don't, you know, I just to me, I, that's a dark blot on Ohio State's yep. history. But he sure yep. helped us win a championship. You know, Man. on the field, he helped us win a championship, and so I, you know, he's he's in the book, and so I I yeah, take joy in that. Right. And if if LeBron won us a title and then left, I would I would curse his name, but I'd rejoice when he was here that we won a championship.
0: Yep. Yeah. Well, well, with there's that. There's Uh, With that, I think we're uh, officially at the end of overtime now, so I'm going to (laughs) play some show-closer audio here. And uh, thanks, everybody, for checking this out. Again, this is, of course, going to be posted on WaitingForNextYear.com, and uh, you can catch us there every day. We have all kinds of regular features now, so check in every single day. Leave a comment, uh, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks. Strike three, call ball game. This has been the WaitingForNextYear.com podcast. For complete coverage of the Browns, Indians, Cavaliers, and all your Cleveland teams, log on to WaitingForNextYear.com.
2: Contact us on the internet. Thank you, and good day.